0: Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of PlotPlots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode well hello and welcome back to the plotting shed you're listening to now not just me rachel McCartan, but you're also listening to to me helen mayers pinch hello and welcome this is this is our second of program of this series and the whole idea for this program started off when h and i went to hampton court flower show in july wasn't it yeah the whole premise for this particular podcast is based on one show garden that we saw which really i think revolutionized and evolutionized what both of us thought how gardening should be taken in the future and it was the Garden of Solitude by this Italian design company. It was designed by Carlotta Montefoschi. I hope I've said that correctly, of Studio Spin in Italy. And I recently just, bought, I thought I'll go onto their website and see what they, what their ethos was. And this was one of the comments on their website, and they said, "Building a house thinking of a garden, and a garden thinking of a house, is an idea that we like." And I kind of thought yeah i can see what they're trying to get to with that having seen their garden at hampton court and i'll put some pictures in the link on the show notes for you but helen what was it that stopped us in our tracks about this garden
1: yeah that's the right phrase stopped us both in our tracks um with jaws dropped dropped open because that that was the thing it was the thing that we had been looking for so they had managed to create a, a refuge and a haven out of an almost utterly wild space but it was still a garden and it did absolutely everything that it said on the label there's that sense of solitude and peace but it was not like a conventional garden as uh, we understand it what did,
0: what did it look like then
1: it was totally unmanicured it was um, a space of color uh, of wild color in a, a meadow rather than a lawn through which a path had been mown to take you on a journey with little spaces for for you to coexist in this beautiful space. I mean it was just lovely. And I think if the people go to their um links on this and you'll be able to see so much easier what we're trying to describe here than than it, than it is to describe to be honest.
0: I mean, certainly for, for me, one of the things, and it's something that Helen and I, for a number of years, have we've jumped on our soapboxes at each other and, and shouted across the dining table about gardening and what have you, because, 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 our real beef is that horticulture and the whole of the garden centre, horticulture, planting, gardening industry is conditioning you to think in a certain way about your garden and this kind of went no you don't you can do something else what it it focused on was not what the garden has or what the garden includes or all the features that the garden can provide for you they focused on what the garden does for you there was just a a lovely reclining chair in it and the message it gave me was this garden is somewhere that somebody can sit down and just let the world go
1: Absolutely, it's the garden that allows you to just be. I think the other thing that I'm becoming, feeling a bit almost oppressed about, if that's not too strong a word, is this feeling that I am being manipulated as a gardener all the time by an industry that holds all the cards. They're the advertisers, the suppliers. The whole chain is kettling me into doing what serves them and what suits them. And not what is right for me in my garden. Because we've got this single idea of what's supposed to be in a garden and what being a good gardener is. And if we fall short of that, we're somehow inadequate. And I do not that doesn't leave me feeling good.
0: I grew up in horticulture. My father had a plant nursery. I spent all my youth and teenage years doing horticultural tasks. And my university years I spent at my parents' nursery and I did all the potting on and the pricking out and the mixing compost and the deadheading and the weeding and the tying in and the di- all preparing plants for sale. I hated, I hated gardening because that's all gardening was to, or to me. And what was so good, and I think the thing that we need to try and impress on you is that we're too focused on this, as you say, Helen, this advertiser's construct that your garden should have lots of features. It needs a shed and maybe a water feature and you've got a rockery. And so we, we accumulate all these features in our garden. We have them all and we have vegetable gardens and we grow your own and all these other things. Because the theory being the more we have, the more interesting the garden is, the more the garden delivers to us. But that's not true. All that's doing is saying there's another chore for you to do. You <laughs> haven't cut the grass. yeah
1: absolutely you know, would get an award for being um one of the world's busiest people you know i've, oh, I've been like it all my life i'm not going to change but i fell into the trap of make, allowing my garden to be a, yet another thing that consumes huge amounts of my energy and my natural inclination is to say that's fine because i love being busy and i've got huge amounts of energy and i had a vision and i want my garden to look like this but there's I've got to change and understand that there is a better way and I think I can still have this wonderful place of solace and joy for myself without exhausting myself so I think it's a lesson we can all learn to be honest
0: I must say so what what we're trying to convey to you about this idea of deconstructing your garden is actually you're deconstructing you're throwing away we're we're getting rid of the images that you believe make a garden. And what we want you to focus on is not looking at Pinterest and seeing these wonderful images of expensive, beautiful manicured, lovely flower-filled gardens, but actually to start to, to turn that on yourself and focus at you. What does your garden need to deliver for you? So H and I were just sitting outside having a coffee in the sunshine. And Helen was saying, you know, there that window from next door stops me feeling private in my own garden so that's the starting point if if you're in your garden you think what do i want to do i want to feel like the world can't see me so privacy is the starting point where can i make myself feel private how do i do that then the next thing that you might feel in the garden is that you actually want to feel relaxed now how can you feel relaxed age if you haven't you haven't taken the earwigs out the dahlias and hmm. you haven't checked them for you know, your sweet peas need deadheading yeah. every day. You haven't watered the
1: pots. Yeah, pots. Oh, tell me about pots. Hanging baskets, all those sorts of things. I mean you know, we could talk for hours about the labour intensiveness of certain ways uh, that we we garden and, and they we really do make a rod for our own backs and uh anyway that's probably the subject of another podcast to be honest we could talk about that for hours the assumption is that everybody
0: loves gardening and my assumption always has been that actually everybody loves being in a garden but they don't love gardening so this is about you problem solving and taking how your garden should be from a different perspective. It's the end perspective. So let's just take an example home. You've got, you know, we've got a small garden, a small back garden, it's a small modern garden. So you might have, I don't know, it might be sort of 10 metres by 8 metres, something like that. And you've got young children. What does that garden need to deliver?
1: If you want to get the kids the way, if, if for me, I would want to get my kids perhaps off technology outside and engaged and occupied for a while every day in
0: the garden so So something
1: out there has got to make them want to do that
0: okay so i will have a lawn and i'm going to put a swing on it
1: that's okay for a while um but the whole garden might end up being dominated by the thing that you put out there for them that they might only spend five minutes ten minutes doing every day
0: the way you need to think about this is Not, I'm going to create a space and put something in it for the children to play on. The deconstructing thought process is, what can I have in the garden that the kids will really enjoy using and what will be interesting enough for them to go outside and play? Now, I've been around lots of gardens and you with families and you go and have events and things and people are, the kids are in the garden and some of this, don't have the football, mind the flowers, don't kick that don't don't have, be careful of the frisbee. Um, no, we're not having a water slide in the garden because you'll turn the lawn to a muddy patch. So can you see what we're trying to say? Is that all of the things that you have in your mind as to what a garden should
1: be to show that you're a good gardener. <laughs> Probably even a good parent, actually, you know, <laughs> a good gardener. There's so much loady. don't put, oh crikey, psychologically. There's so much but in, in negative psychology that's dumped on people about the expectations of what you're supposed to be right now. So it'd be, it'd be lovely if we could liberate ourselves from that for at least if in the garden, if nowhere else.
0: Can, if you then have this construct in the garden, it's got to have lawn and flower beds and patios and rockeries and all these kinds of things. Where from the user end, the end user perspective, your kids, how is that engaging with your kids? Now, you could put a swing up as we said but what about what else would be interesting you could get one of those play tunnels but instead of just having it in the middle of the lawn why don't you create a really deep border underneath some shrubs and they can crawl through it it's all about thinking what will make our use of that garden better how will i use the garden more if i do this it's a bit of so I suppose it's a cost-benefit analysis. You, you go into a garden center and you'll see people buying a water feature or, or buying statues for the garden and things like this, and they all cost money. They all cost money and it's, ty- it's resources and effort to do it. What I'm asking you to do is to say, how will this benefit me in the garden? And is it worth the cost? Will the benefit outweigh the effort and the cost of having this? it might be you love dahlias. You are an absolute dahlia lover. You love digging them up every autumn and Mm -hmm. storing them in the garage and then brushing them down every spring (coughs) and then staking them and making sure the earwigs are out and making sure there's no aphids so you have beautiful flowers. Great. But if you aren't one of those and you see a beautiful dahlia and you're not a dedicated gardener, what benefit is that plant gonna have to you? What benefit is that water feature gonna provide for you that makes your garden more interesting. That's what deconstructing it is about. I suppose it's about being fit for purpose. A garden is not a garden because it's got garden features in it. A garden is the garden because it's how it makes you feel. So if your garden doesn't deliver emotions to you, it isn't by definition a very good garden and i think one of the things that the horticultural industry has created inadvertently to some extent because it's advertising and everything is it's shown you images that you're supposed to aspire to but those aspirational images come at a cost they come at a cost of money they come at a cost of effort they come at a cost of using resources they come at a cost of you feeling that you haven't got the knowledge to achieve it and you feel under it, you know, you, you just feel a bit of a failure. And garden psychology and how your garden makes you feel is so important.
1: Oh, oh you're just recalling actually what you said to me the other day, um, you had somebody, I think it was an email from one of your um, plant plot people uh, in America, and I think it was a lady. I know, she,
0: I am international.
1: Though, so I, <laughs> I think every continent, I believe. Um,
0: Apart from Antarctica, the only people that haven't listened to me uh, are around
1: Antarctica, but I'll give them, I'll, the, I'll let them off. Penguins are way. not renowned for gardening, actually. Mm. Anyway, um, this lady said, I'm so confused. Um, I'm exhausted trawling through the internet and Pinterest. And there's so much choice. And I just don't know where to start. I don't think I know how she feels really it's um wonderful wonderful though they these things are for stimulating ideas when you turn around and look at your little patch out of your window my goodness that could be
0: completely (sighs) overwhelming because you can't because again the industry is saying have this feature have this put this in your garden it will make it good but what it doesn't do is anything inside
1: i think you know really we, we we said this earlier let's make horticulture serve you not dictate to you oh
0: i tell you what we're going to do another podcast about that
1: well maybe we have a develop the garden liberation front oh right we're going to
0: liberate you this is going to be the garden liberation front podcast you know this is all about saying to you you can do it you can do it it's your garden If it floats your boat, who cares what gardening convention says? If you sit in your garden and go, do you know what? I'm happy.
1: Absolutely. It makes me feel good.
0: Then your garden is fit for purpose. And it doesn't matter how much it's cost you to achieve that. I mean, just yesterday I had an inquiry from a customer and they had a mid-terrace house. They had a, an ordinary-sized back garden. They wanted to get it done. And they came on to talk to me and saying about what we could do. Do you know what the quote was that they had from a garden, a landscaper, to do their garden?
1: I can't imagine.
0: 48,000 pounds. Yep. what? Now, all we're saying is that this is where the industry is conditioning you to think you have to spend to, to make a garden. But they're missing the fundamental
1: point. It's your psychology, your health, what you want, how it makes you and your family feel and what gets you out there using that space. It's my garden. So maybe, maybe, maybe we could all just get together here and let's, let's, let's communicate. Hashtag it's my garden. What do you need from your garden? Let us know.
0: Tell us all about it. Hashtag, it's my garden. Can we do the Twittery thing on that?
1: Oh yeah, let's do it.
0: Do we do a Twittergram and Instagram?
1: Well, however you do that, do we have, Do
0: we have the internet-y, webby thing that we can I use? I think we could probably can, work right. it out. Okay, hashtag, it's my garden. Let's start deconstructing ideas of what gardens are and reconstructing them in a way that you enjoy using, you can manage and is set up for how you want your garden to be. And then I think... We will be really making gardening easier for everybody. What do you think, H?
1: I think, I think it's the Garden Liberation Front. <laughs> oh,
0: gosh. We're, oh, should we be evolutionary revolutionaries? Right, well, we're going to hold that. We'll see you next week. Um, and we'll come back with some more revolutionary evolutionary Garden Liberation Front theories next week. Bye <laughs> for now. Bye. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartney of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go on to the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.